So, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'll start reading, I'll start with a, a verse of scripture so we understand why God is bringing his word to us in this light, in this direction. Luke chapter 1, from verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Amazing. He said, for as much as many have said, Luke chapter 1 verse 1, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So there are things that are most surely believed among us. All right. Then he says, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. They are convictions of our faith. They are things we believe. When you believe wrong, your life will go wrong. People are, the, people's lives are always in the direction of their believing. All right? So Luke, writing this book of Luke, is telling the reason why he's writing it and giving you all the information that he's giving you. He says, for as much as many have said, I've, I've said uh, from verse 1, for many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, question, all right? If we say Jesus was crucified, question is why? You know, when people don't have these information and don't have them as things that are most surely believed among them, that's when um, wannabe atheists will try to ask them questions and shake their faith. You know, because sometimes when you sit down with people who claim they don't believe in God, and you hear the kind of questions they are asking, all right, you sit down and you wonder, what, what do I believe? And why do I believe what I believe? For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So we're going to look at Jesus Christ and him crucified, um, Today we are moving to Jesus Christ and something else, I'll tell you. So I just want to clear that other part so that the next side will make some more meaning to us. Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, he's saying that what I came to share with you was the testimony of God. The testimony of God. Like, um, the word testimony of God means the declaration of God. That means what he's sharing with you is God's story. You see, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, when I declared to you the testimony of God. So he's saying, I came to share with you the testimony of God. And he said, I didn't do it with excellency of speech or wisdom. 
He said, I declared unto you the testimony of God, the story of God. So that means this story about Jesus Christ that he's about to talk about, this story is God's story. He declared unto him the testimony of God. From verse 2, he says, And for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So when we talk about the gospel, the first message that we need to understand is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So from last week, I began to bring to your knowledge Jesus Christ and him crucified. What does it mean? What are the details of this? All right? Now, Everything I'll share with you here is important information because if you don't understand Jesus Christ and him crucified, if you don't understand it, you will not understand the others that come after it. Because we need to first of all agree that he was crucified. We need to agree and believe that Jesus Christ was crucified. Then I started last week by telling you this crucifixion is, three, is in three ways. It's in three, three things actually happened on the cross, all right? So, first of all, I began with Jesus, who Jesus is. And I told you, Jesus was not ever in heaven. And this shook the place a little. I said, Jesus was not in heaven because when we went to Sunday school, they told us that Jesus, uh, Jesus was in heaven, the Father was in heaven, and God looked at, at, at man and looked at the sin of man, looked at everybody and says, um, who will go for us and whom shall I send? Then God asked that question. Jesus said, hmm, I'll go. But the Bible never said so. I explained that last week, right? Should I go over it? I should. Maybe for the sake of someone who is probably hearing for the first time today because it's like a fundamental teaching in the body of Christ. Everybody believes that when sin, all right, was up to God's neck, God came one day in heaven and the Bible says there was silence in heaven. You know, that's what people say. He said, ah, there was silence in heaven. And it looks like a very nice evangelical message. And I told you that you can say something wrong passionately. I told you last week. You can say something that's wrong very passionately. So the passion of the evangelist in declaring that message does not make it correct. Like I can say, Coast is the capital of Burkina Faso. Cape Coast is the capital I can say it with all emotion, strongly in my heart, that Cape Coast is the capital of Burkina Faso. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, it doesn't make it right. The fact that I'm saying it nice doesn't make it right. Most of you were 31st night. A woman came up and was talking passionately and said some very wrong things passionately. That there's no heaven, there's no hell. That heaven and hell are on earth here. Passionately. And she was saying it, almost crying. Didn't make it right. Didn't make it correct. So that's why there is a document for truth. It's a document for truth. So that we can all refer to something to know who's wrong and who's right. It's called the scripture. The angel told Daniel, said, it's called the scripture of truth. It's not like every other book. This is a scripture of truth. It has the bar of truth. We can use to measure every other thing that tries to call itself truth. So, maybe I should go over it. Isaiah chapter 6, from verse 1. From verse 1. Now, this is the, the scripture, Isaiah chapter 6, from verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, 
high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, some prophets use this scripture to propagate a gospel that until your Uziah dies, you will not see the glory of the Lord. Wow, must be nice. He says, in the year that King Uziah died, I also saw the Lord. So they say, if your Uziah does not die, you will not see the glory of the Lord. That's wrong. What the scripture is saying here is that during those times, one of the ways that they used to mark significant events in their life is significant events. Like, for example, it's in the year Kofo became president that I went to JSS. I see. It doesn't mean that the presidency of Kofo took me to JSS. The scriptures are clear. So we shouldn't allow anybody to just, you know, bamboozle that. All right, so in the year that Kinuzia died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and he strained through the temple. Now, from verse 1, we both agree that Isaiah is speaking, true or false. Do we agree? Because when we finished, when we closed service last week, someone came to me and said, um, sir, you know, and I said, you were not listening. You have to listen, listen, listen. The fact, the fact that you have known it for long doesn't make it true. In the year King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. Now, if you say this is Jesus speaking, Jesus saw the Lord. Isn't he the Lord? Jesus couldn't have seen the Lord sitting upon the throne. He is the Lord. So, Jesus cannot be speaking here. High and lifted up and his train filled the temple. So, we are going to read it in context and understand. Verse 2. He says, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twin he covered his face. And with twin he covered his feet. And with twin he did fly. It's three. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So we can tell that there's a discourse going in heaven. But Isaiah said, he saw the Lord. So Isaiah was witnessing what was going on. Praise the Lord. All right? Isaiah was witnessing what was going on. He says, then said I, War is me. Now, this can never be Jesus. This makes it even, you know, more convincing that we're not talking about Jesus. Because Jesus will not say, woe is me. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. Give me the New Living Translation of this verse. This particular verse, New Living Translation, NLT. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I'm a sinful man. Cannot be Jesus. Because Jesus is not a sinful man. And I told you last week, I said, three writers wrote something about Jesus. Peter said, he was tempted at every form, yet he did not sin. Jesus. John said, in him was no sin. Paul said, him who knew no sin was made sin. So this, this scripture, if this is Jesus, that means this scripture will contradict that truth. And if Jesus was a man of sin, hold on, if Jesus was a man of sin, that means he cannot be our savior. He cannot be a perfect sacrifice. So this scripture is not Jesus. Just put in your mind that Isaiah is speaking. So he said, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Now this is the book of Isaiah. Jesus was not born. So it couldn't have been Jesus. Go back to King James. So now we have agreed that we're not talking about Jesus here. We are talking about Isaiah. So he said, then I said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. Verse 7. 
And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Verse 8. And I also, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? You see? So in context, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Who is speaking? Isaiah. So this scripture is never about Jesus. There was no meeting in heaven where God was asking who will go and I will go. Jesus said I will go. Nothing like that happened. Now, Jesus, so then, who was, who was he in heaven? He was not a person, he was not a man. Right? He was a personality, but he was not a man. He was the word of God. And that's what John said. He said, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. I'm going to show you something in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. I'll start reading from verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it's the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. Verse 7. There are three, hold on, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Not the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. There are three that bear record in heaven. What does it mean? It means once there are these three things, there can be a heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So, in the beginning, there was the Father. There was the Word. And there was the Holy Ghost. Very consistent with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And that was upon the face of the deep. Then... The Spirit of God, you see, he said there are three that bear record, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now, he comes here and says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. One has been mentioned. Then, the next one in verse 3, and God, the Father, said the Word. So, creation was done by these three. The Father said the Spirit acts on what is said. That's how creation was done. So, Jesus never existed as a man in heaven. He was the word of God. So in John chapter 1 verse 40 he says, And the word became flesh. And the word became flesh. So it was not a man who, who was turned into a small thing and became, you know, uh, a fetus. The other time that angels were singing. While shepherds watched their flowers by all seeds. Christmas carols. While they were singing it, then Jesus was just looking at everybody. He saw angel Gabriel. Oh. My guy, <laughs> I was just wondering, Michael and the rest of the angels said, I know them, these are my guys, but you guys wait, I'll, I'll grow soon. <laughs> you see, cannot be, that's not it, that's not scripture, all right? So the truth is that it was the word. So the first time God was seeing his son was when he was born, but then he was in heaven as the word. The Bible says that he was in the bosom of the father. All right, so let's, let's, let's go forward from here. So I said, Jesus is the word of God. So you're going to put down these points. Number one, he's the word of God. Number two, he's the son of God. Number three, he is the image of God. You know, when, when the Bible talks about the image of God, it's, it's, the biggest, it's one of the biggest things to ever be said in scripture, the image of God. The Bible says no man had ever seen God at any time. That means... You, you cannot point and say that is God. That means no man could ever relate with God. No man ever saw God. But Jesus is the image of God. In Colossians chapter 1 from verse 14. 
And we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, verse 15. Who is the image of God? Jesus is the image of God. That means, you know, throughout the, throughout the Old Testament, God told them not to make any image of him. Nothing should represent him. Why? Because the true image was coming. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Hebrews 2 says, um, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory. Okay, let's start from verse 1. Make more sense. God, who at sundry times and by diverse and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Understand what image is. Image is like, uh, let's say, milk, right? Milk, milk in a milk tin, right? The, the milk is what you're looking for. Hey, the milk is what you're looking for. That's why you bought it. But without that tin, you will not, be also, you, you will not also be able to identify the milk. Come on, come on. You probably might see milk in a bucket and think it is not milk. Am I correct? Until you probably go and taste it to see if it's milk. All right? So how ideal or peak make you know that this is the milk you're looking for is by giving it an image. So it's like a divine patent. So everything was created in the name of Jesus. So Jesus now is the image of God. So that's why Jesus was with Philip, and Philip said, show us the Father. And he said, are you, are you saying you have been with me all this while you did not know? He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father, because Jesus was the image of the Father. He is the image of God. So anyone who wants to get in contact with God has to get in contact with the image of God. So I said, he's the, he's the Word of God, he's the Son of God, he's the image of God. Now, I'll come from this side, this last one, all right, the, the other ones, but I'll talk about it next week. I'll come from this last one, then we'll go into him crucified. We understand the dynamics there. Then we'll go to uh, what I want to share today. The fourth one is he's the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God. You know, we've said that so many times. Oh, behold the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. We probably have sang it. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean? What does it mean for him to be the Lamb of God? This is the meaning of it. Now, God is a family man. God is a family man, all right? Because he brought the idea of family. So he's a family man. And he's the one who says he wants sons, all right? So we became God's sons. So God is a family man. In the Old Testament, everybody comes together on the Day of Atonement, or what the, the Jews call the Yom Kippur, all right? They all come on the Day of Atonement. Every family presents their lamb for atonement, so, um, Owusu family presents a lamb. What was the lamb supposed to uh, represent? Right? What they were looking for in the lamb was the innocence of the lamb. Because sheep are believed to be very obedient and very good animals. A sheep, once you lead a sheep, you follow you. Goats never follow you. If you want to, if you want to do something with the goats, the fact that the goat probably was going right. The fact that you now want to lead the goat right, you will pass left. But you know, amazingly, in scripture, sometimes the goat was used instead of the lamb for the sacrifices. I'll, I'll show you that very soon. Um, that was 
for, uh, because of the, the compat- its compatibility with the sacrifice. Mm. So the lamb was presented to the priest every you know, day of atonement. So for the first time, all this while, Owusu family, all right, I'm not saying the Jews are called Owusu, just, I'm just giving names. The first time, the Owusu family, the Al-Hassan family, the Boatin family, the Wilson family, the Jima family, the Yamwa family will present their lambs. For the first time, God also had his own. You didn't catch it. For the first time, God also now was presenting his lamb for sacrifice. That is what it's called. Behold the lamb of God. That's the meaning of it. God is now presenting his own lamb. He said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist saw it in the spirit. He said, behold the, the lamb of God. John chapter 1 verse 29 said, the next day, John see Jesus coming unto him and said, behold the lamb of God who taken away the sin of the world. So God is presenting his lamb for his family. So when I said Jesus was crucified, Number one, he was crucified for us. But that was not the only thing. So we're going to go into the book of Leviticus, chapter 16. We're going to see something there. Leviticus chapter 16. So God is going to show them, or going to teach them, how they're going to make the atonement. Now, why should we understand it like this? Because if we don't understand it from the perspective of the Jews, we will not understand the whole work of salvation. So he says, and the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of, his, of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died. Verse 2, and the Lord said unto Moses, speak unto Aaron thy brother that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he died not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Verse 3, thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Now, look at this. Verse 4, verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coats, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be gathered with the linen girdle, and with the linen mater shall he be attired. These are the holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. Verse 5. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering. And one ram for a burnt offering. Now, hold on. Now, you're going to see something very striking here. He says he's going to present two kids of the goats. The two kids of the goats are all for the same sin offering. With every other offering, he says, put one for burnt offering. Put one for peace offering. Put one for this offering. When he came to the sin offering, he says, you're going to take two kids of the goats for the same sin offering. Why? Now, you, you keep this in your mind. We're going to look at something in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. So what is going on in the book of Leviticus that we read was the law. It says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up in, unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. Verse 24. He said, wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. It says the law was a schoolmaster. What does it mean? It's like the law was the tutor. The law was bringing us into the perfect knowledge. So the law was like a, a teacher to help us to know the real thing that God wanted to do. This was not the real thing. What happened in the book of Leviticus, the two kids of God, was not the main thing. God was schooling them. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, 
having a shadow of good things. So the law was not the main thing. What God was saying to them in Leviticus was not the main thing. He says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commerce down to perfect. All right? King James is making it very, you know. But it's very simple. He said, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. That means what God was doing in Leviticus chapter 16 was not the main thing that he was looking for. The main thing was Christ, which was to come. So this will give us a very perfect example of what God was expecting of what God was doing in Leviticus chapter 16 verse 5. Go back there again. He said, you will take two kids of the goats for the sin offering. That means in God dealing with sin, God takes the two kids of the goats. Why the two kids of the goats? And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering. There were different kinds of offerings. There was the sin offering. The sin offering is the offering that takes the sin of the people. The burnt offering is the offering that gives the people the innocence. So in the sin offering, the sin of the people go onto the animal. In the burnt offering, the innocence of the animal is reckoned to the people. So he says, and he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering. Now, this one was different from the families coming to present their lambs. This was for everybody. The whole of Israel will bring, the, the high priest will bring two kids of the goats. How do we understand it very well? Go to verse 19. Verse 19. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Verse 20. And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goats. 21. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. Now remember that Aaron is a priest. Aaron is a priest. So the priest will lay his hand on the live goat. The live goat is also called the scapegoat. You know, when you were in Jesus, they were telling you, you know, so if anybody makes noise here, he will be there. So the live goat is called the scapegoat. He said, Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgression and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Fast forward, we go to the New Testament or we go into the reality. The reality, what you are supposed to see, you're supposed to see God, we're going to look at verse 21 and see what plays out there. We're going to see, number one, there should be, go to verse 21. There's going to be the laying of hands. Number two, there's going to be a live goat. Number three, there's going to be sending him away. Number four, there's going to be a fit man. Not fit, like fit, fit man, all right? Now, in the Bible, the reason why they didn't name this person is because this person has no name. The fit man has no name. Because if he had a name, they'll mention it. Aaron, they mentioned his name. Then, number five, there's going to be what? A wilderness. Oh, no wonder. No wonder John the Baptist saw him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because if we start, number one, there's the laying on of hands by the priest. John the Baptist's father was Zachariah, who was a priest. That means John the Baptist qualifies to be a priest. He was the priest. Number two, he laid his hands on Jesus, who was the live goat. Number three, there was a sending away. Right from that baptism, Jesus was sent away by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. And the Holy Ghost has no name. 
So, John, John saw it in the spirit. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, there were two goats, remember. There were two goats. One was the scapegoat. The scapegoat is not killed. The scapegoat must go into the wilderness. So the Bible says that Jesus was sent by the Holy Ghost. He was sent by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So the, the scapegoat is not killed. He was he's sent into the wilderness and put into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The, over there he is with the devil. But the other goat, what was the work of the other goat? The other goat, we've seen the scapegoat. The other goat is the Lord's goat. Are we there? We're still at um, Leviticus 16. Go back to verse 5. All right. Verse 9. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. Hold on. What is going on? Two goats have been, have, been, have been called. All right. Two goats have been called. There's one goat which is for Azazel, which is called the scapegoat. That goat is taken into the wilderness. There's another goat who is going to be killed, all right? That God is going to be killed. So, what's going on here? The priest looks upon him. All right, maybe we should start from verse 8. Mm, 7. Okay, we read 5, right? Maybe I should just continue from 5. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for sin offering and one ram for burnt offering. Verse 6. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. Verse 7. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the, and the other lot for the... So that means one of, the, one of the goats is for the Lord. One of the goats is for the Lord. That means God requires the atonement. For the sin. Why? Habakkuk 1.13. Talking about God. He said, thou art, pure, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look upon iniquity. So God has the purest of eyes than to behold evil. So even though he loves the children of Israel, he loves them, but he cannot bless them as much as he would love to bless them, he cannot bless them if they are walking in iniquity. So God has to take an atonement so that judicially it will be right for him to bless them. So God looks at the sin of the world and he wants to do something about it. He cannot wish sin away. Why? Because Cain was told by God. He said, sin lieth at the door. So sin is not an idea. Sin is not just an action. Sin is a real thing. It's a thing. In the spirit, it's a thing. It's a thing. You cannot wish it away. It has to be atoned for. So there are two goats. Go back to Leviticus 16 from verse 8. We had, I think we're at verse 8, right? Yeah. From verse 8. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one for the Lord and one, uh, uh, and the other lot for the scapegoat. So Aaron is casting lots. You know what it means to cast lots? All right, C, 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 Nanako, right? So Aaron is doing C, 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 Nanako. So he casts the lots. One lot falls on one of the goats for the Lord, which is going to be an atonement toward God. And the other one is going to be a scapegoat for the people. So God needs the sacrifice. The people need the substitution. Did you catch that? The, the people don't need a sacrifice because they can't even judge a sacrifice. God needs the sacrifice, but the people need the substitution. So that's why I said 
he was wounded for our transgression. You see, he was wounded for our transgression. That is the substitution. So Jesus, now remember, he said that the two goats, oh God, the two goats were both for the same sin offering. That means it is a two-in-one goat. Two-in-one goat. So in the reality of Christ, we will not need two men. We will need one for the two goats. So Jesus was our sacrifice and our substitute. Verse 9. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. So that one is killed. Then verse 10. But the goat on which the Lord fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So Jesus was crucified for us. But then there's another one. Jesus was crucified with us. Galatians 2. The truth of this one is different from the truth of for us. In the truth of for us, all right? In the truth of for us, I'll give you an example. This young man, all right, pays my fees. Once he pays the fees, all right, he can go anywhere and say, oh, I paid his fees. Am I, am I correct? I, I paid his fees. All right? That's beautiful. So I don't owe again. He, he paid my fees. So he's paid it for me. But this second one is a little different. This second one, he went with me to pay the fees. So the owners of the school saw me and him coming to pay the fees. So in this truth, he identifies with me. The first one is substitution. This one is identification. What does identification do? Galatians 2. Thank you. Verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. You see, it is a Christ was crucified for me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this is beautiful. Because he identifies with me, I also identify with him. Come on. So, he identifies with, oh, come on. He identifies with my poverty so that I identify with his prosperity. So, he's not leaving me alone. I was crucified with him. So, in the mind of God, you know, sometimes some people say, oh, Christ died for us. You know, and they think it is humble. Oh, he died for us. Oh, we're nothing. We're nothing. That's why we are sinners. He died for us. He died for us. The truth of scripture is, not only did he die for us, he died with us. That means God looks at the cross and I was there too. This one is big for some people's mind. God, I say, I'll say it again. God looks at the cross. I was there. 2,000 years ago, I was there. Check the cross very well. How do we know? Jesus was on, on the cross. Two guys. One believed. The other didn't. He looked at the other one. He didn't lead him to Christ. Once the guy identified with him, he said, Lord, remember me when you go to paradise. Once the guy identified with him, he said, you shall be, he said, you shall, I said to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. No prayer. I said, no prayer. Once the guy identified with him, the guy is supposed to sit where he sits. I am crucified with Christ. You see, 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. The crucifixion is a big thing. I am crucified with Christ. Romans chapter 6. I'll start from verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? No. Why is he saying this? Because it came from verse 5. He said, where sin abound, grace abound with much more. So somebody will look at it and say, hmm, if, equation, if where sin abound, grace abound much more, then let's sin more so that there can be more grace. <laughs> then the apostle says, God forbid that one. Why? Because that's not the focus of that verse. He's not saying more sin will bring more grace. No, he's saying that where there's more sin, God has to put more grace. He's not, he doesn't say you will now engineer more grace by more sin. No. Do you get it? Okay. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into his death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. I'll talk about it very soon. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in likeness, also in the likeness of his resurrection. <laughs> Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Our old man is crucified with him. So in the crucifixion, it was our old man crucified with him. Now, this is taking me into the second part of the teaching. The first one was Jesus and him crucified. Go to the book of Acts. Hmm, Acts chapter 17. I'll start from verse 15. Acts 17, from verse 15. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Does this ever happen to you? You get to a place and you see sin abounding in the place, then you are stirred in your spirit. I used to, I used to do that. I still do that. Sometimes I'm driving around and I'll see many young people going, entering a club and going to, you know, places they're not supposed to be in. You see many of them sitting down. Some of them, the dress they're wearing, they should just remove the dress so that we know that, yes, many times I'll sit, I'll be steady in my spirit. I'll stay there for a while. I'll pray in tongue. I'll say, my members are here. My members are here. My members are here. Yes. Today I have members from there. Yeah, and more of them are coming. We refuse to give up on them. This gospel changes lives. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city, wholly given to idolatry, the whole city. The whole city was wholly given to idolatry. His spirit was stirred to him. The whole city can be given to something. This city was given to idolatry. A whole city can be given to alcoholism. The whole city can be given. These, these demons don't spare anything. The, the whole city can be given to one thing. But in the name of Jesus, we break that thing. We break those things. The young people are not given to idolatry. They are not given to, 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 to wicked spirits. They're not given to crime. They're not given to those things. Our spirit can be stirred. Then we begin to pray. We begin to make mitigations in the spirit. He said, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them. That met with him. Verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. There's Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
But there's a greater one. This one is greater than Jesus and him crucified. This is Jesus and the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. I'll say this. This is not to counter what I preached before at all. But you know, truth graduates. So knowledge will just be moving up and moving up. And if you don't have the foundation of the first one I preached, this one will you not really understand. So all are correct. Christianity did not begin with the cross. So to be a Christian and to sit down and sing, there are some hymns like that. The cross is my glorious soul. It's a hymn like that. Hey, that's the song. The cross, the cross, be my glory ever my rapture soul suffer I, I like the parts you are singing right? in the cross in the cross in my There's no glory in the cross. Our glory is not in the cross. Because, I said I want to see it now. I don't have to package it well. I'm packaging, don't worry, I'm packaging. Isaiah 53 is not for the Christian. Hmm. Don't worry, I preached it last week. Don't worry, I know what I preached. I preached it last week. But I was not preaching to Christians. Hey, last week we were in class one. Can we go to class five now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't have to go to class two. You can go to class one to class five. <laughs> the cross, it's not for the Christian. Hmm. He preached Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus and the resurrection. Christianity began at the resurrection. I seen these two guys. I seen these two guys. Second Corinthians 5:17. Now, I'm going to start linking the scriptures for you so you understand. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hold on. Go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized to Jesus Christ, were baptized to his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism to his death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Hold on. That as Christ was raised up from the dead. Now, this is where Christianity is beginning. That as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. So then, he comes to verse 5 and says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. The Christ who died, come on, the Christ who died is not the same as the Christ who resurrected. They are two different people. Hey. 
Hebrews. Don't worry, be there. Hebrews 5, verse 4. Hebrews 5, verse 4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as Aaron was. Verse 5. So, also Christ glorified not himself to be made, in, made an high priest. Now, he was not an high priest when he was on earth. So he's referring to his, after his resurrection. He says, but he that said unto him, he that said unto him, hey, hello, hello, he that said unto him, he said, thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. This is different from thou art my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. This is different. He said, this day I have begotten thee. That means Jesus had to be born again. Hey. One day I said this, and someone said, hey, how can you say that Jesus was born again? How can, you cannot say that Jesus is the, is the most clean and wonderful. Oh, oh, oh. Uh oh, uh oh. So, what do you think happened at the cross? When he was on the cross, why do you think the father left him? Thought it was a movie? No, no, some people thought it was a movie, and I, the father said, Okay, say this, I, I, I will leave. Say, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabbath, and I will leave. Then you say, Why have you not forsaken me? Like, let's make it emotional so that all the Roman soldiers will have pity on you. So, Jesus is there, say, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabbath, and I. Cut. Then, then the father will just leave. Oh, oh no, no. 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 What happened? What happened? It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. That's what happened. 21 happened. Verse 21 happened. He said, for he had made him to be sin for us. So Jesus on the cross became not only a sinner, he became sin. And remember what he said in Habakkuk 1.13. Go back there. Habakkuk 1.13. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And canst not look on iniquity. So the father could not look on iniquity. Because the man has become sin. So the father was separated from him. So Jesus, if there's anything to go by, by the time Jesus Christ died... He was a sinner. And because he was a sinner, he has to go to hell. Huh. How can you say that Jesus went to hell? I'll remind you. When Azazel, the scapegoat, was taken to the wilderness, it was to meet who? The devil. The scapegoat goes to meet the devil. Jesus went into the belly of the earth. Okay. Okay. Jesus said it. He said it. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. Is that so the son of man? So when Jesus died, he did not go straight, go straight to heaven. That would be illegal. Sinners don't enter heaven. That would be illegal. Sinners don't enter heaven. Sinners go to hell. So Jesus went into hell because he was the embodiment of sin. After three days when he conquered the devil and sin and took the keys of hell and death, he now resurrected with a new life. When he resulted with a new life, that's where the newness of life began. So then he comes and says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, go back to Romans chapter 6 again. I'll come back here. Romans chapter 6 verse 5, I think we're in verse 5. Okay, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man, are you seeing? Now, it helps you to understand that scripture I read very well. Our old man, that means in the resurrection, in the crucifixion, our old man was in the crucifixion. And we are no longer our old man. 
Oh, when he says old man, he's not talking about a father. Because people have been saying, oh, my, my old man, my old man. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about old man like your old man. So, he calls it the old man. So, if any man be in Christ, he is a new Christian. Old things have passed away. So, he has not changed. He is a new man. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He, he, see, so, being born again, being a Christian is not changing your lifestyle. The day you got born again, your old man was crucified with Christ. So, you are not a refurbished. God did not clean you. Come on. That's why I said Isaiah 53 does not apply to you. He has not cleaned your sin. He has not washed your sin. After he was crucified, he did the washing of the sin he did it over there. But then, you did not cross with the same life. It, you came into what we call the newness of life. So, the resurrection is where your life began. It is for evangelical purposes that we tell people, I was a bad boy and today I am new. It is wrong when you come to this class. In this class, I never had a past. God has no record that I ever did something. If any man be in Christ, he is a new Christian. All things have passed away. Behold. He said, behold. Behold. Why did he say behold? Because with this truth, you have to see through the eyes of your spirit. Because you look outside, your hand did not change. Your ear did not change. Your nose did not change. But he says, behold, you have to look with the eyes of the spirit. He said, all things are passed away. He said, behold, see with the eyes of the spirit. He said, all things have become new. All things have become new. Everything has become new. Everything has become new. I walked into the service, not born again, but everything has become new now. Everything has become new now. When I walk out of the place, I'm now born of God. Everything has become new. Now, I tell you, I said, this truth of resurrection is the biggest thing that ever happened to the body of Christ. It's the resurrected life that we function from. That's what it said in Romans chapter 10. From verse 10, go there. For with a hard man believe in righteousness, and with a mouth man confesses made of salvation. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Okay, go to verse 9. All right? Go to verse 9. Let's start from verse 9. If thou shalt confess, look at Christianity. He said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him, not that he died. Mm. Said that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So Christianity has nothing to do with the cross. Yes, when we go out there to those who have not been saved, they can't, we, we can't talk of the resurrection until we have talked about his death. So to them, the message of he had taken away your sin is there. All right, can, can we go up a little bit? Can we go up a little bit? Go back to Isaiah 53. You see something there. Isaiah 53. Mm, from verse 4. Surely he had borne our griefs. So that means I have griefs. Hold on. In Isaiah 53. He's saying I have griefs. Come on. You should hear what he's saying what he has not said. Surely he had borne our griefs. That means I have griefs. That's why he could bear it. He had carried our sorrows. I had sorrows. So he took it. Yet we did seem stricken spirit of God and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So all this, hold on. Go to this. So all this is referring to a people. He's not referring to a Christian. The Christian is not part of this. Listen and listen well. By the stripes, the Christian is not healed. Because the Christian was never born with sickness. You see, you cannot clap. <laughs> Religion is bad. <laughs> All things are passed away. The sickness is passed away. Yes. The cancer is passed away. Yes. Hey, this pastor. 
Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You see in verse, you see in verse 6, you see in verse 6 something right now. You see, the people he was talking to, hold on, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Astray? Astray? I can only be called astray if I was with God before. So this is not referring to the Christian. This is referring to the Jew because they were with God and they went astray. Sin is missing the mark. Transgression is missing the way. So they went away. So they went astray because they were with God before. The Jews were with God before. So they went astray. So astray is never referring to the Gentile. The one who never knew God. You cannot say I went astray. I was not with you. It's only, it's only the one who was in the road I asked him to go that he went astray. I said he went astray. So Isaiah 53 is not for the Christian. The moment you get born again, he's not referring to you. So by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. That's baby class. That's not for you. Because the day you got born again, the day you got born again, all you need to do is to just believe this truth. Don't, you know, like he said in the scripture, he said today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you had an ear problem, all you have to remember is that I got born again. And all things have become new. So you insist that my ear does not have any problem. Because I was born again. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Alright? If I had an addiction and I was struggling with it, Paul now speaks in Romans chapter 6. Go back to Romans chapter 6. He said, if, no, he, he uses a very striking and beautiful word. He said, walk in the newness of life. Because why? Because what people don't know is that they've been brought into the place called Christ, but they've not started walking. Because they don't know. He says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in the newness of life. Verse 5. <laughs> For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our own man crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed. He says the body of sin is destroyed. That, so the body that had the addiction is destroyed. I don't have an addiction. Hey, pastor. Hmm, the thing I used to do, I'm still doing it all. Why? Why? Knowledge. Knowledge. You just have to wake up and say, ah, ah, it's destroyed. The devil's lying to me. He's lying to me that I have an addiction. He's lying to me that I have a problem. The body of sin is destroyed. It's destroyed. It's destroyed. It's destroyed. He said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Come on now, I'm freed from sin. I'm freed from sin. He said, he that is dead is freed from sin. <laughs> Go back to verse 8. Oh, come on, come on, come on. For if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9. He said, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Okay. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon also yourself. Hey, when you read Bible like this, you should scream and lie on the floor. He says, ah, he said, uh, 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 David said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. That means when you read the Bible, don't be reading, mm, that's here the word of the Lord. Amen. No, when you read things like this, he said, likewise, reckon. He said, reckon. That means count yourself. What you're not doing, you're not counting yourself. You're not reckoning yourself. Likewise, reckon ye also yourself to be dead. He said, reckon yourself. So when we are counting righteous people, I'm part of them. He said, likewise, reckon ye yourselves 
to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, reckon yourself. Stop calling yourself a fornicator. Stop calling yourself an addicted person. No, no. He said, reckon yourself. He said, count yourself. Don't count yourself as a sinner. When they count sinners, don't count yourself. He said, likewise, you reckon yourselves. To be dead indeed to sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to failure. I'm dead to sickness. No. If, if you give... If you give a chicken, come on now. If you give a chicken coronavirus, you can't get it. He's dead. A, 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 a dead chicken. You cannot give him the virus. He's dead. Dead goat syndrome. Who can't he? He's already gone. You, 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 if you slap a dead man, he will not reply you. He's dead. You understand? So you cannot give me sickness. Why? I'm dead. I'm dead to sin. Everything that sin brought, I'm dead to it. Everything. Sin brought sickness, I'm dead to it. Sin brought poverty, I'm dead to it. Sin brought failure, I'm dead to it. Come on now, come on now, come on now. Come on now. For he that is dead is free from sin. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Verse 8, verse 8, verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we shall live with him. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but he that liveth, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body. You know what he's saying? He said don't allow sin because sin, he's not strong. He's not strong. He's only trying to invade you. He said don't allow it. Come on. Come on. You're going to start mounting guard over your spirit and mounting guard over your when sickness is trying to I said don't allow sickness and sickness go back am I talking to somebody here he said likewise 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 a life of depth a life a life where you are always owing people no no he said don't allow it he said let not can you can you see the path God is talking about you see it means everything you have allowed your, uh, that that's going on in your life that's not good you allowed it I refuse to allow it again I refuse to allow it again that means tonight you go, you go back home and you go to your house say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I do not allow poverty in this house again. You become a police. Police over your life. Police over your body. You say, oh, sir, every three months I have this migraine headache. You stand up and say, from today. From today. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That you should obey in this last day of verse 13. He says, neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Poverty shall not have dominion over you. You know, when he talks about sin, he's not only talking about an action of sin. Talking about the nature of sin and all the things that it brought. Poverty shall not have dominion over you. Lack shall not have dominion over you. You are alive unto God. I'm alive unto God, say it. Say, I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto God. Yes, I'm alive unto God. He said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Ay, 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 ay. First Corinthians chapter 15. Shandakabaya. This is what Paul preached to them. He preached Jesus and the resurrection. He preached Jesus and the resurrection. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If he did not come out of the grave, he would have been miserable. If he did not come out of the grave, he would have been miserable. There's no faith for us. If he did not come out of the grave, nothing was done. The cross was great, but no, our Christianity is not in the cross. Our Christianity began with the resurrection. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for rising from the dead. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein ye stand. Go ahead. By which also you are saved if you keep in memory. What's he saying? He said, I already preached it to you, but you have to remember it. That's what some, some people don't know. They don't know that sometimes, you know, even though he has said that sin shall not reign in your mortal body, sin will like to try to reign inside. He said, you have to remember this thing I'm preaching to you. That you are not unto sin, you are alive unto God. He said, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain. That means you can believe something and it will be in vain. He said, you have to keep it in your mind. Remember it every time. Anytime the devil wants to get your attention and say that, hey, you are addicted to this thing. You are addicted, you are, an, you are an addicted lesbian. No, you are not an addicted lesbian, you are a Christian. You are born of God. He'll tell you, you are, an, you are an addicted masturbator. He said, no, I'm not an addicted masturbator, I'm born of God. He said, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. <laughs> and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Verse 8, and first of all, he was seen of me as of one born out of due time. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Verse 11, therefore whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how says some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? You know why? Because at, during those times, there was a contention. There was a contention. Some of them said, oh no, there's no resurrection of the dead. There's no resurrection of the dead. Then Paul is saying something. He said, hey, for you to be a Christian and say there's no resurrection is a big thing. Why? Go, go, go to the next verse. It's 13. He says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. The biggest thing about the gospel is not the cross, it's the resurrection. He says, if Christ is not risen, he said, then all that we are doing is focus. He said, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Verse 15, ye and we are found false witness of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in our sins. Mm, did you hear that? He says that if Christ is not raised, then we are, not, we are yet in our sins. That means that Jesus taking away our sin on the cross was not the ultimate. It can put you back in your sin. Why is he not, why is he not saying, oh, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. He still died on the cross. No, he said, you are yet in your sins. He said, you are yet in your sins. Why? Because from the cross, 
we had remission of sin. There was a remission of sin. Removal of sin. Complete removal of sin. But then, what happens moving forward? Because I was dirty. You cleaned me. But you still left me outside. I'll sleep in the mud again. I'll sleep in the mud again. So he said, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Verse 18. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. <laughs> but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Verse 25. For he must reign till he had put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy shall be, the army that shall be destroyed is death. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. For he had put all things under his feet. But when he said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is expected which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him. That put all things under him, that God may be all in all. You know, I'll explain this maybe in the next two Sundays. I'll talk about the rapture of the church. Then you'd understand this very well. I don't want to go into that now. Else, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then, why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow ye, we die. Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. I work to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Verse 36, thou fool, thou which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. So you see, the reason for the death is the resurrection. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall, that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. Verse 38, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another, another day subject. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star different from another in glory. Verse 40, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. That means his body was sown in corruption because of sin. He said, but it was raised in incorruption. That means the body with which Jesus Christ came out is an incorruptible body. The kind of body that can enter heaven. The kind of body he stood for his disciples and he began to ascend. It is raised in incorruption. So the first thing about the resurrection is the incorruption. The next one, 
is that it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in dishonor. On the cross, it was in dishonor. That's why I told you. I said, the cross is not your glory. The cross is our dishonor. The cross is our glory. The cross is our shame. The cross is our sin. The cross was the, was the victory of the enemy. The cross was the victory of the enemy. That if they had not known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the devil thought he had won. It is sown in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. So the cross is our dishonor. The cross is our problem. The cross is our sickness. But it is raised in glory. So our life of glory begins with the resurrection. It is sown in weakness. The cross is our weakness. He said, but it is raised in power. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is raised in power. That means incorruption is at work in my life. Yes. Glory is at work in my life. Power is at work in my life. All these things came with the resurrection. All this came with the resurrection. If we died with him, then we were raised with him. Our old man died. He said, even so we walk in the newness of life. We walk in the newness of life. You know something you notice when you leave this place? You just realize when you get home that the sickness is not there. <laughs> you just, I'm not going to pray for anybody. You just walk out of this place. You just realize that your eyes can see well. Am I talking to somebody here? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Somebody shout hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody here? Incorruption is not a work in your life. Weakness is not a work in your life. Dishonor is not a work in your life. Don't let anybody prophesy to you that oh, they, they see that some people are taking your glory. Not, not when you are resurrected in Christ. Am I talking to somebody here? One time I remember some young people had been preaching to so, so many years ago. I preached this thing to them. They were so full of it. A prophet approached one of them. He said, I see that you are always confused. He said, I can never be confused. I'm not talking to somebody here. Don't let people confess wrong things into your life. I can never be confused. You, 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 cannot, you cannot joke with me and say, oh, you are a fool. I'm not a fool. Am I talking to somebody here? I, I am not a fool. You, you don't joke. You don't, you don't crack such jokes around me. <laughs> I said something that's funny. <laughs> you are such a fool. I am not a fool. I am not a People are working together, they are talking together. Then they say, hey, we poor people. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. I am not poor part of the poor people. Am I talking to somebody here? I am not part of the poor people. They say the economy of Ghana is destroyed. Am I talking to somebody here? Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that resurrection life is at work in you. In vain. Jesus is not dead in vain. If he died, then he's resurrected. That business is set to resurrect. It's resurrecting tonight. It's resurrecting today. That business is resurrected. When you go back home, that business has not been working. Go and lay hands on it. You say, you business of Pastor Enoch, you are resurrected. You are resurrected. The resurrection life is awaking you. Man talk about send up a high. Shela ba 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 ba. 
Oh, there's resurrection life at work in me. Oh, these are things that you don't just sit down. These are things that you begin to vibrate and you begin to speak. The resurrection life is at work inside me. Am I talking to somebody here? Am I talking to somebody here? That business is resurrected. Shanta Kabaya. It's resurrected. It's resurrected. It's resurrected. It's resurrected. He preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. There's a power that resurrects. There's a power that resurrects. All of us, Sandamaya. Rataka Kakaka. Say, Ayayayaya. Mantaka Mamma. Shada Dada. Mantaka Maye. You say it. You don't only speak in tongues. You say it. You say it. Resurrection power. Resurrection power. What will this babbler say? He seemed to be set out for some cause because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. 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 He said, if Christ is not raised, then our prison is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. The resurrection is our glory. The resurrection is our honor. The resurrection is our power. The resurrection is our power. Is our glory. The resurrection is our glory. Ay, 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 ay. God is doing new things. He's doing new things. That's the resurrection. If any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is, he is, he is, he is, he is, he is. You are, you are, you are, you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the glory of God. You are the glory of God. You are. You are. You are. You are not defeated of the devil. 